welcome to another edition of Logical, the UAE's first legal podcast. Logical comes to you from the Dubai-based legal firm HPL, Yamalava and Pleska. My name is Tim Elliott, and as ever, I'm with the managing partner Ludmilla Yamalava. Good to see you again. Good to see you too, Tim. In this edition of Logical, we're going to be talking specifically, but briefly, if we can, to try and condense this down about Muslim marriages in the UAE and more specifically, Muslim expat marriages. So, Ludmilla, let's start, I guess, with the definition of Muslim marriage. Indeed. And um, uh, it is an important definition because, let's face it, especially the UAE being what it is, there are so many mixed couples here. And so what qualifies as a Muslim marriage? Uh, so and what kind of Muslim marriages actually can be registered in the UAE? Uh, so to, to begin with, in order for a Muslim couple to get married in the UAE, uh, they have to be. Uh, they have to have residence visa. So one, at least one of them has to be a UAE resident. So it's not that a Muslim couple from a different country can come here and just get married in the UAE. So there is that requirement of a UAE UAE residency. Now, how do you show that uh, the couple is Muslim? Uh, so a marriage is considered a Muslim marriage and therefore is subject to Sharia. Uh, if either the groom is Muslim or both the bride and the groom are Muslim. And as I say that, it's important to highlight that under Sharia, a Muslim woman cannot marry a non-Muslim man. In other words, if a non-Muslim man wants to marry a Muslim woman, for that marriage to be valid and to be registered in the UAE, the man has to convert. And this is why we have these two categories, which one of which is either the groom is Muslim, because that rule does not apply the other way around. In other words, you can have a Muslim man marry a non-Muslim woman, but a Muslim woman cannot marry a non-Muslim man. So therefore, you have these two categories of Muslim marriages, either the man is Muslim and the woman is not, or both of them are Muslim, because for the second category, in order for it to be legal, the man would have to convert to marry a Muslim woman. Okay, so Muslim expats can get married in the UAE under those uh, conditions, depending on which emirate of the UAE the marriage is held in, at least one of the parties has to be resident, have a, a valid residence visa. In some emirates, I believe both the bride and groom have to be uh, residents. Uh, in terms of the regulations, the bureaucracy, whatever you want to call it, what has to happen for a marriage to, to, to go ahead for a ceremony to then be held? There's a number of requirements. I mean, one is the couple must first undergo what's called a premarital medical screening and uh, obtain a certificate from a qualified healthcare facility to that effect. Uh, so that is a requirement to uh, get the process rolling. Uh, and then uh, ultimately the marriage has to be registered with the authorities. Now the authorities being the, the court. Uh, so it's uh, it's not that you go to some sort of a state department to register a marriage. It has to be before a judge. And um, uh, for the judge to register a marriage, there are another, another whole sort of set of requirements, if you will. Uh, and then uh, some of the other kind of requirements before we even sort of go to the judges that, that you know, both parties have to be at least eight, 18 years of age. There are a few exceptions to uh, those who are younger, uh, but the, the law basically sets the marriage age at 18 unless um, there is some there's 
you know, the person has reached puberty before then, but then there's the whole sort of checklist of requirements uh, to prove that uh, before the judge in order to allow for someone below the age of 18 to get married. Uh, otherwise, the, the, the default rule is you need to qualify to get married. Uh, and then in addition to showing the medical screening certificate, you, uh, the couple needs to present uh, two male witnesses. Uh, and both male witnesses have to be Muslim. And then, more importantly for the bride, the bride has to uh, present uh, her guardian, uh, and her guardian ultimately has to sign off on the marriage or basically approve the marriage. Now, who is the guardian in the case of the bride? Uh, it is uh, the default guardian is the father. Uh, and uh, so the father has to be present uh, before, or sometimes the father can actually delegate um, his authority through, believe it or not, through the power of attorney to somebody else to be there in the court, for example, or before the judge uh, to give consent uh, to the marriage. So that's kind of the, the, oh, the high-level overview of the requirement uh, that uh, go into play when a Muslim couple wants to get married. I've read in certain cases that approval from the judge might be required for the, for the marriage to take place. Why might that be necessary, Ludmilla? And that's a great question, and actually a question that uh, comes up uh, all too often here in particular, because once again, a lot of the expats here, obviously, by virtue of being expats, they don't necessarily, they don't necessarily have their family close by. Uh, so under Sharia, because remember, this is a Muslim marriage, and Muslim marriage, the, so the default law that applies to Muslims is Sharia, and under Sharia, it's the, fa the father that is a default guardian. Now, what do you do when there is no father or when the father does not uh, give his consent? Uh, so uh, when there is no father, for example, and let's face it, the father could have passed away. Uh, so um, in that case, uh, you could present, the bride could present the birth, I mean, she would be required to present the death certificate uh, to evidence that the father had passed away and present an alternative guardian. An alternative guardian, again, this would be under Sharia, depending on who the male relatives are living at that point in time. And, and um, it would be, for example, uncle or grandfather uh, or even sometimes brother, but it depends on, but remember, it's all predicated on the fact that the father has passed away. Uh, so um, in that case, you could pre present an alternative guardian by way of um, offering a male relative. But again, it has to be sort of first degree male relative. Now, in the event, for example, there is no male relative or where the father is living, but is just not willing, <laughs> living, but not willing uh, to <laughs> grant his consent, uh, then there is an option for a bride to request for the judge to act as a guardian instead. So a de facto guardian and um, approve the marriage. Uh, now, this happens uh, more often than perhaps uh, some may think. And the requirement for a judge to act as a guardian uh, in the beginning, so that to start off with, the judge will always try to find out why the father has denied consent. Uh, and ultimately, the judge can, and in practical terms does, uh, act as, a, as an alternative guardian in the event there is no legitimate reason or valid reason for the father to have denied his consent. With regards to what constitutes valid reasons, uh, they really actually have to be objectively valid. And that is in terms of um, ultimate, perhaps, well-being of the bride, or they have to relate to the 
the health and safety and the well-being of the bride. So in other words, let's say a valid reason could be if um, the father the things that the, the, the groom is a criminal, for example, uh, or if the, he's mentally unstable or he has some violent, uh, violent past, uh, or uh, perhaps he's not able to financially support um, his daughter, but it has to be objective again. So those are some sort of valid reasons or, or reasons that would qualify as being valid reason for the father to deny consent, but they have to be directly addressed uh, towards the, the well-being well of the bride. Apart from that, everything else is um, considered perhaps not valid or not at least objectively valid. So, for example, if the father uh, denies his consent because he doesn't like the nationality of the groom uh, or he doesn't like the family or he just doesn't want to, period. And that happens all too often. Uh, so in that case, the judge would not deem those reasons as uh, being legitimate. Uh, to uh, not allow for the marriage to go through. And in most of those cases, the judge would act as an alternative guardian. But it is a process. So you would need to file a request with the court uh, for marriage. In that particular case where you don't have a guardian, you would have to file a special case requesting for the judge to act as an alternative guardian. And that's where that determination and, if you will, due diligence um, will take place in terms of why the father is refusing consent and whether there is or there is not a valid reason. And ultimately, the judge would act as, uh, as, a, as a guardian and uh, register the marriage. Uh, so, um, so yes, that that concept does exist, and actually, it, um, it you know, it's in practical terms, it's applied uh, more often than perhaps some may think, because there are a lot of people, uh, Muslim uh, Muslim women in particular, who are afraid and perhaps have uh, not gotten married for that very reason, because the father uh, has not wanted to grant consent for one reason or another. Once the ceremony is performed, uh, marriage for Muslim expats in the Emirates then becomes an internationally recognized union and that's under Sharia law. Is, is that the, the status? Uh, it's a very good question. So it is an internationally recognized marriage certificate. Mm-hmm. So, and this is, uh, and you, uh, you highlighted a very important uh, distinction. So this is, even though it is subject to, because it's a Muslim marriage, it's subject to principles of, of Sharia. Uh, it is actually, it's, it's a marriage certificate is issued by the authorities. So the judicial authorities, i.e. the court. So it's not a marriage certificate that is issued by the mosque, for example. Uh, so it's not, while it is kind of, it's, it is a religious marriage in a sense, but it is a religious, ma- religious marriage that has been registered, vetted, and issued and signed off by a judicial authority. So therefore, there is a national marriage certificate that is, so that will that bears a stamp of uh, the relevant Emirates court, and in that uh, in that uh, vein, it becomes recognizable all over the world. Uh, and this is unlike, as you rightfully pointed out, for example, a marriage that would have taken place at some place of worship, be it a mosque or a temple or somewhere else, and it's just basically a religious marriage. Those religious marriages are often not recognized in the other countries, uh, irrespective of the religion. Uh, but this particular kind of marriage is considered as um, as a I don't I, I shy away from saying a, a civil marriage, but it is a government approved or government registered marriage. And one of the other requirements I, I, uh, that would um, that both parties I guess are supposed to uh, be ready to present uh, to the court potentially 
uh, in uh, as, part, as part of the qualification process. And that is in the event, let's say one of them was previously married. So there may also be a requirement of a divorce certificate or, or for example, a death certificate of, previous, uh, of a previous uh, spouse. Uh, and depending on perhaps where they work, uh, there may also be a requirement for uh, some kind of approvals or no objection certificates. Um, uh, so for example, there are certain uh, there are certain people that work in certain like security type uh, industries, in particular, where in, in applies to uh, locals or UAE nationals. Sometimes there may be additional requirements that, for example, you'd need to get an approval from uh, your uh, your government agency that uh, they have no objection for you to marry this person, perhaps outside of uh, your uh, your either faith or your uh, the nationality. That's another episode of Logical, this time Muslim marriages, but specifically for expatriate Muslims here in the United Arab Emirates. Our legal expert here on Logical as ever, Ludmilla Yamalaba, managing partner here at HPL Yamalaba and Pleskett. Thank you, Ludmilla, for your time, your legal expertise as always. Always delightful to be chatting with you, Tim. Thank you. To have a legal question answered in a future episode of Logical, or if you'd like a consultation with a qualified UAE experienced legal professional, you can find us easily on social media. We've got an easy to search library of hundreds of podcasts on all manner of legal issues here in the UAE, available for free to listen to or download. Uh, Or if you prefer, you can just head to lylawyers.com and click the contact button.